I feel like in that moment, I cried like decades worth of tears of just like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, I struggle, but I, I've been putting that all on myself, taking responsibility for every little thing and just, just piling that onto myself. So I would say that, I mean, it's actually pretty new for me <laughs> where I am right now of, of learning that two things can happen at once. Like you can be struggling and also like not be putting all that blame on yourself and putting all the responsibility on yourself to fix it. And that's been very hard for me. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. And I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. I've been following Morgan Harper Nichols on Instagram for quite a while, and I'd venture to say that I deeply resonate and connect with almost everything she shares. She has such a unique and powerful way of connecting to herself and others through art. Morgan Harper Nichols is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, artist, and poet based in Arizona. She creates artwork inspired by stories. She is the author of All Along You Are Blooming and a new book that comes out on April 27th, How Far You Have Come. We hope you'll check her books out. Through her work and the way she lives her life, Morgan curates and stewards vulnerability in a way that creates room for others to feel more empowered to share and reclaim their stories. Miles and I were so honored to host Morgan for a conversation about empathy, risk, and connection. I know you're going to love it. Welcome, Morgan Harper Nichols. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today. It is so great to be with you. I am a longtime follower of you on Instagram. I think I repost you probably once a week because your words always so deeply resonate with me. Mm. I think. You really do an incredible job of taking people's stories and experience and then drilling down to this universal experience that everyone can nod and say, yes, me too. Mm. How do you do that so well? What's, what's the magic of that for you? Oh, wow. I, I just love the way you worded that. That just speaks to my soul because <laughs> that's, that's what I hope to do. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, it honestly does start with who I am and things I've struggled with mm -hmm. in my life. I think I've, I've struggled with connecting with people in a way that I felt like was meaningful, like of many examples. I mean, just like in college and even post-college, like just trying to make friends and find community and like, where do I fit? Like, are these my people? And we have things in common, but I just can't seem to connect. And that was just a huge part of my life and things that I struggle with. So I think I've, for a long time been in a practice of, okay, how can I get beneath the layers of, you know, all the superficial stuff and, and connect with people on a heart level. And that's something that I honestly love about the internet <laughs> because yeah. on the internet, you actually do get to kind of go past a lot of the small talk and, and shallow waters of conversation. If you see a post that someone shares like, well, I, I believe that too. And, and that may not be something that comes up in a face-to-face -face interaction if you're just meeting someone for the first time. So in a, in a way, I feel like the internet has been really good for me. And like, I want to get down to the heart of 
of how I can connect with other people because I was just someone who, who instilled struggles with connecting with people, especially these days, <laughs> like physically connecting with people is a challenge. So a lot of it is motivated by that within me that really does enjoy connecting with people while simultaneously feeling like that's very hard for me. So when I first started responding to people's stories with art, that was just right where my mind went. I was like, how can I get to the the heart of what they're saying that connects with me? And then I start from there. And so in many ways, as I'm writing for someone else, I'm writing for myself as well. Um, If someone's sharing something with me, even if it's something I haven't been through, if they've been through a great loss or something, when I feel that in my gut, it's like, oh, like I could see how if that happened to me, that would just wreck my life. And again, I don't, I haven't been through that situation. I don't have answers, but I can at least speak about that emotion. So yeah, I feel like it's a really long way of answering your question. No, it's it's really, it's such a gift. And I think um, the first time I really experienced that sort of uh, healing of like really leaning into other people's experience and learning from it and saying, oh yeah, me too, was when I did Onsite's Living Center program, ironically. And that it was just the gift of other people putting words to my experience. I've realized I'm not a verbal processor. And so a lot of Mm -hmm. times the words are locked away. And so when I hear other people say them, then that's, it helps me connect with what's going on. And I feel like that's what happens so often for me with your Instagram post is I'm like, oh yeah, that's what's going on. That's, that's where I am. So thank you so much for putting words to so many of my experiences that might just get trapped and locked away otherwise. Wow. That means so much to hear. Thank you. Um, Cause I, I, when you said that about the verbal processing, that's the same for me <laughs> and it, it takes me a while. Like I also feel like I'm a very slow processor and which that can be challenging when you're sharing on social media. Cause there's so much immediacy and people wanting like people, there's just expectation to just respond to things in real time. And I'm kind of like, I'm going to need a few days or a few weeks or (laughs) a few years. So it is sometimes a challenge. um, But at the same time, like when those words, when the words do come and the, and the poetry does come, I, I know it's coming from, from an authentic place. I love that you started this conversation off uh, around connection, which one of my favorite definitions of connection, if I can recite it, is, is Dr. Um, you know, Brene Brown, who I just love her dearly, is uh, when people feel seen, heard, valued, when they can give and receive and derive substance and strength from a relationship. Which I just love that definition of, of connection. And, yeah. and I too will say, I one of those people that I'm fortunate to get to, to be armed with a lot of great information on on connection, how it works, the mechanics, how to do it. And then I, I will self-admit I struggle to do that sometimes in my own life, uh, in my own home. You know, it's so you talked about that struggle, too. And then you talked about your process of getting to the heart of what people are saying, in your case, through through art and some other creative ways. And I'm just curious um about the the struggle itself because i think so many probably people could relate and so i just wondered if you could talk a little bit about your the struggle what were the obstacles for you that that got in the way yeah. of of connection 
Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> I was kind of in a place of like, okay, how do I talk about this without talking about this thing? But it's kind of hard not to. Um, <laughs> about a week and a half ago, I actually uh, got a diagnosis that I am on the autism spectrum. And I, it's one of those things that was simultaneous new information. However, simultaneously, it made a lot of things make sense. I have the, the whole struggling with connection thing. I was like, oh, there's something way bigger that that explains that, that I did not have language for up until recently. And um, yeah, just, just within that, it, it has just been um, like feeling like just very separate from others, even people that I'm close to, people that I love, just feeling like everyone's in on the joke and I'm not, and I'm just trying to catch up. And I just have so many experiences like that in my life. And I think the biggest sort of struggle within that was not that itself, but the fact that I, for a very long time, put the blame on myself for it. I would say, well, I'm the problem. I've got to fix this. I've got to be better at connecting with people. I, it's on me. I'm an adult. <laughs> I have to work through this. I'm putting all this pressure on myself to just try to, to function in a way that maybe I wasn't even meant to, <laughs> but just all of these unspoken things, even just in society, like no one, no one says to me, oh, Morgan, you should do this. You should socialize in this way. <laughs> like people don't necessarily say that, but it's just messages that I was receiving of just like, there's a way you're supposed to be in the world. There's a way you're supposed to cope. There's a way you're supposed to function. And if you can't function that way, then it's your fault. And I had an experience where I went to a doctor when I was 27. And it was just like my primary care physician. And I just told him it was the first time I ever said any of this out loud. I But I've been researching and I, I was studying and I asked him, I was like, I, I think I could possibly be on the autism spectrum. I was like, I'm not sure, but maybe you could just direct me as to who someone just to talk to. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And, and he, before, like, didn't even look up from his clipboard and was just like, you have nothing to worry about. You're perfectly normal. <laughs> and I, I, unfortunately I took his word and I took that as, okay, well, this is something I have to fix. Like the problems that I'm struggling with are things that I've got to fix on my own. And that's just what I told myself for way too long. And honestly, it wasn't until the other day, literally less than two weeks ago, when I got my official diagnosis and the specialist looked at me and, and explained everything to me. And she ended it with, and it's not your fault. Mm. And I just lost it. I, 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 I feel like in that moment, I cried like decades worth of tears of just like, Oh, wait a second. Yeah, I struggle, but I, I've been putting that all on myself, taking responsibility for every little thing and just, just piling that onto myself. So I would say that, I mean, it's actually pretty new for me <laughs> where I am right now of, of learning that two things can happen at once. Like you can be struggling and also like not be putting all that blame on yourself and putting all the responsibility on yourself to fix it. And that's been very hard for me because somewhere, I don't know if it's because I'm the oldest child or what, <laughs> somewhere along the way, I just, I just took it on. It's like, yep, you got to fix that. And, and I feel like I am 
I am very much so in process of unlearning that for sure. So um, I feel like that's even kind of easing out into my work. I feel like everything I've written over the past week has been like releasing pressure from yourself. Like stop Mm. putting so much pressure on yourself because that is what I am telling myself. Because I, I've done that so much and, and I'm discovering that I'm not the only person who, who does that for sure. So. Wow. And well, it's incredibly powerful. And first of all, thank you for the courage to share that. Um, I'm really just struck by the part where you shared in your words that someone uh, saw Mira validated you. And then gave you permission to cry what you said is decades worth of tears. I mean, I know you're obviously, you know, I should expect that by now from being your friend because you're a world-renowned poet and an artist. But um, what a just powerful um, image in my mind. So anyway, and so thank you for sharing that. And the part you said at the very end is what feels so clear and poignant to me because it reverse engineers what we think we need to do in order to achieve what culture tells us is now connection, which is trending. You know, everybody's talking about it because the world feels a little disconnected and we think we need to work harder, learn more, do more. And what you just said is there's an unlearning that was maybe the most important part And connection is um, a two way street. So is empathy. And we typically empathize with others to the ability that we can empathize with ourselves and yeah. connections the same way. And so it's, it's often, we don't need to go out and learn to do things that socially maybe we're not wired to do. We need to unlearn yeah. messages that told us what we should be. Uh, so that we can be who we are. And when someone sees us in that space of who we are, then we feel, therefore, we can be, which is just beautiful. So anyway, so much in there. Oh, thank you for even just validating that for me again, of of, uh, just the, the importance of that, of that moment, because like you said, I mean, there was this whole part of it that the diagnosis and everything that comes with that, but ultimately it, it was having another human being say that to me. And no one had ever said that to me. Like no one had ever looked at me and said, Morgan, it's not your fault. Mm. And even saying that now, like I feel that in my whole body, even just saying that, because it's, it was that foreign to me. And it's not, it's not to say that, I mean, I, there are people in my life who, if I asked them to say that, you know, they, they would be like, absolutely, Morgan, that's true. But it, it's something about when someone says that to you and, and you weren't even expecting that and, and you didn't know that's what you needed. I didn't know that was what I needed to hear, but it was, and it's, and it's huge. Like, even as you were just talking, I, I was remembering this moment that I had in college. Cause I, I honestly think from the, from the perspective of like, like people sort of having negative messages or just people saying awful things to you. I've actually considered myself very blessed to have people in my life who are very supportive of, and my parents, my husband, like my sister, like I have people that I can go to that I do actually feel very supported by. However, um, I'm like, man, isn't it interesting though, how even if you have that, like (laughs) you could still get all of this just, these beliefs about yourself. And I was thinking about being a freshman in college and how, you know, you're hearing about your GPA and like, you got to keep your GPA up. And, and, you know, every time you 
turn in a test slate or whatever, <laughs> or, you know, all that effect. Like you start off with a 4.0. I remember hearing that. And even just that little thing of like, oh, it's on me to get this exactly right. And, you know, I see the motivation aspect of it. But for me, I I kind of internalize that as, and if I didn't get an A, it's like, oh, well, here you go. Knocking yourself down the ladder step by step. And it just makes me think, I'm like, how many little things like that <laughs> do I have or do other people have where we may not even realize what that could be telling us because sometimes it does seem like it's motivational or positive or something, but it could have another side of it. So yeah, that's something I've, I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah. That what you're saying totally resonates with me The just the, I think that a lot of my work too has been trying to undo that pressure to perform, not just huh. in my career, but like in my relationships. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down with a therapist and them sort of saying, like, what happens if you stop trying to fix it? You know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? How would like, I was like, how do I do that? And they're like, you just <laughs> let go. And I was like, I can't fathom it sort of. And yeah. so I so relate to uh, just feeling that pressure and feeling like you said earlier, that sort of everyone it feels so much easier for other people sometimes mm-hmm. like they're yeah. in on it and that why, why do I have to work so hard at it? Yeah. So that self-induced pressure really resonates with me. Mm. Yeah. I totally agree with that. It's, and even when you're just saying about the looking at other people and seeing how they work through things, I, I feel like I, I think about the amount of times that I have felt pressure to make things seem effortless <laughs> Or like, and like, oh, I'm so, you know, oh yeah, that's just, and it's like, wow, like we probably do that a lot. We're probably looking at people who also simultaneously have their own set of things that are going on, but we're just obviously not picking up on it (laughs) from the outside looking in. And then we compare ourselves to just this one dimension of (laughs) of who they are. Exactly. Hey friends, Mackenzie here to quickly tell you about Onsite's newest offering. The Ways We Grieve, Understanding the Emotional and Biological Process that Binds Us All is the first of four emotional wellness masterclasses that we're launching over the next three months. I'm really excited about these classes and their accessibility, practical application, and deep dive into the topics that connect us all. They're the first of their kind, and we're excited to meet you where you're at on your emotional wellness journey. When it comes to grief, in this season, we're all grieving something, and most of us are grieving several things from loss of income or jobs, lack of relationships, unmet hopes or expectations, painful situations, death of a loved one, grief is all around us. This class, taught by Cindy Westcott, on-site senior clinical advisor, was created to help us normalize our own experiences with grief, give some insight into how we grieve, and invite us into a place of hope, peace, and wisdom. Things will continue to be hard. Loss will still happen. Pain will still come, but we can engage with more empathy, self-compassion, and wisdom as we seek to understand what's happening in our bodies when we grieve. You can't heal what you don't feel. You can sign up for this class and join the waitlist for future classes at onsiteworkshops.com slash classes. Plus, if you use the code podcast, you'll get $20 off your $69 purchase. Now, back to the show. Well, Morgan... um 
talk to us about uh, the, the what you've been working on recently. I've got a specific question, you know, kind of about that process and what it's been like, and and kind of why you're wanting to tell more of your your story. But I want them to hear specifically, kind of what's what's coming. Yes. Yeah, so. I had the opportunity to write another book. So I had a, a book come out last year that was uh, uh, called All Along Your Blooming. It's a book of poetry and art. And I had no idea where to start <laughs> with another book. It's like, what could I possibly say? <laughs> However, um, even prior to the pandemic, I was starting to notice a big shift in my life in that I was not traveling as much as I used to. And that was definitely something that I maybe took for granted or at least didn't really see how, because I used to be a touring musician. And I mean, I was just, you know, different city every night and doing all these different things. And I was getting to a point, it's kind of after I had my son and I was like, wow, this is interesting. Like my life is so different now. I'm not, I, I can't even remember the last time I took an international flight or did all of these things. So I was literally going through my camera roll and I landed on one of my favorite photos that I had taken from the road at sunset in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a regular iPhone photo that I think anybody could have taken because it's just that beautiful. <laughs> and I just happened to snap it. And I was like, I love this photo. And that photo has has gone on to like I've I've used it to even create color palettes and it's a huge part of my life. Like I I this is just like that photo for me. And I looked at the date of that photo and I was like, how interesting. I was like, this photo is so beautiful. And I look at it and I all I can see is the the beauty. And at the same time, that was a very hard time in my life. <laughs> I was in a really uncertain season. I was touring and anybody who's been in the music industry knows like it's, yeah, there's a whole lot to it. (laughs) And and it's hard to sustain a a career in that. And I always kind of joke that at that point I was broke and tired. and, (laughs) and And I always joke about like, okay, in my 20s, I could do one of those, but both of those together is really hard to sustain for a very long period of time. Being low on energy and, and low on finances, that's very hard, to, very hard to sustain. That's where I was. And I was just city to city, paycheck to paycheck. Like, what is this my whole life? Like, is this, is this what I'm going to be doing? And I just think it's so fascinating. And I started thinking about how Isn't it interesting how two things are happening at once? Here I was in this majestic open space in this beautiful part of the world in New Mexico. And I look at that photograph and I see just this beauty that I always want to hold on to. I I literally see the colors of that image in my head. I, I, I know like the actual color codes now because I've pulled from so much, pulled from that photo so much while simultaneously... I had no idea that I was going to become an artist or a poet or any of those things. So that's actually the cover of the book. So the book actually mm-hmm. started with this cover of this iPhone photo that I just started to kind of gradually paint over. So I, I do this thing where I'll take a photograph, a lot of times an iPhone photo, and I will paint over it. And I started doing that just as a hobby, but it's become a spiritual practice for me because it's interesting to take these moments of our life that are oftentimes fleeting, but when you spend time with them, it's like, whoa, there was all this going on 
and landscape itself that was so beautiful. And I was a part of that, even though life was totally chaotic <laughs> at that time. So I ended up writing this book that is centered on eight different landscapes. And I started with that. I started with the landscape and said, let's just sit with that and, and find what comes. So it starts in Georgia where I grew up. And then I go on a road trip, all states that I've been through several times, all the way to California and every state. So Texas is the plains. Um, Alabama is a lake that I have a lot of stories with. New Mexico, the mountains, Arizona canyons, and every state has this sort of emphasis on the landscape. And what I found is just so beautiful and powerful about landscape is that when you look at the landscape itself of any part of your story, there are stories within that. And I just find that to be so fascinating because I know I'm not the only person who maybe has stories in their life that you don't quite know what the meaning of that chapter was. Like <laughs> you don't quite have all the language for it. So with, with this book, I just hope it invites people to start with the actual nature of where you were. Like, what, what did the trees of that place tell you? What did the, the open sky or, or the road, like what stories are there? And, and I think that when you look at it that way, you'll just be able to look at your story in, in hopefully a, a new way. So yeah, that's kind of the heart behind the book and some of the things I've been thinking about lately. <laughs> That's amazing. And one of the write-ups of the book, it talks about how that it's about sort of how our histories have made us. Mm -hmm. What are some of those events in your life that have been transformative and been sort of where you've reclaimed some of the brokenness and the pain and Mm. been able to re-envision them to use some of your own words? Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, that word reclaim is really important to me. Because in looking back through my literal camera roll uh, of my phone, (laughs) I do see beauty. And at the same time, I also see struggle. I also see, and not even just my phone's camera roll, but just the the camera roll of my history of my life and and the history of, of humankind. There's a lot of pain and struggle there. And in the Mississippi part of the book, it's actually centered on the Mississippi River. And I talk about driving toward the Mississippi River. Well, I wasn't driving, I was a kid, but my family were on a road trip and we were headed toward the Mississippi River. And it was during that time that I was a kid learning about slavery for like the first time in a really in-depth way. And I was struggling with this reality of the fact that there were little girls like me whose stories did not end in freedom and whose stories did not end in in being able to take a road trip with their family. And and I I talk about it from a kid's perspective of just learning that and and trying to find beauty in that. And and, in that chapter, um, that that part of the book is actually all in black and white. So the whole Mm -hmm. Mississippi chapter, it's all colored and illustrated in black and white. And I did that for the reason of I, I was... I would almost say in a way, and, and I'm still this way today, when I was a kid and I would see little photo, like the photos of people on plantations and sharecroppers and things like I was haunted by those photos. Like they, they are clear in my mind and they were when I was a kid. So at the same time though, I had this wild imagination and I used to write stories about 
what could have possibly happened in their best case scenario. Maybe they were able to escape. So the Mississippi chapter is all about that, you know, knowing that in my own ancestry, in my own family, there were people who were born slaves and died slaves. And just sitting with that and trying to remind myself of that child imagination that I had, because it's like, even though a grown up knows intellectually, okay, yeah, this is how that story ended. It ended in this unfortunate way. Children have a way of of hoping and saying, oh, well, what if this happened? Like, what if they did find freedom? And I just want to hold on to that in my life. <laughs> I think that that's, that's honestly an area of my life where I'm really proud of myself that that I remember that from my childhood. I, I remember like, okay, I know this was terrible, but I I still want to hope for the best. Mm-hmm. I, I still want to hope for, for, for a story of freedom for that little girl, even if she didn't get it. Like I operate from that hope, <laughs> from that place of, of let's carry that forth so that more people can have that, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's just one. I, I feel like that story is probably super <laughs> super dominant with, with that how that word reclaim even came about because it's you know it's very important to me to to think about even my own ancestors and 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 how in many ways like me being here today is living from their hope and their dreams so yeah wow that's incredibly powerful and i'm just curious how you with the the piece on on freedom if freedom through your lens could speak, what would it say? Hmm. It's interesting because I don't, it's not actually words, but a song. (laughs) I had, this is the only time in my life where I've ever had this happen, where I had a song come to me in a dream. I was like, okay, God, you can do that more often. That's kind of awesome. (laughs) But um, no, it doesn't happen that way for me. Um, and I had, and it was actually a wordless song and it was just like a, hmm, it was like, hmm, and it just, it just persisted just over and over. And it was a crowd of people singing this and they were singing it much slower than I just sang it then. But in African-American tradition, a lot of times within music, there's a lot of humming. There's a lot of humming within even um, like I grew up singing amazing, and other, other actually other people may do this too. I don't know, but we grew up singing Amazing Grace, and there's a whole time where you sing you sing the whole melody, but you just hum it, and 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 then you may say like praise God at the end, but it's not like a there's a lot of humming, and to me that humming is I mean one it just I I feel that when I hear it and when I sing that way, and it's there's a letting go in that there's a letting go of not needing to have the words, not knowing how we're going to get out of this. But here's our bodily response. Here's us being present together in song. So when you said that, that was actually the first thing that came to mind. It was just like, just hum. Like, you don't, (laughs) you know, I even think it's interesting how, you know, we have these amazing art forms like music and but it, it, sometimes it can, I think it can become too structured, <laughs> you know, just like, okay, you got to have your verse, got to have your chorus, got to have your second verse. And sometimes it's like, well, maybe it's just humming together and just acknowledging that we're here and that we're pacing ourselves through this. And, and there's freedom in that. And, and, and kind of going back to what I was saying about the pressure of not putting that pressure on ourselves 
to be able to figure it out perfectly or find the exact language right away, but to just kind of be. Mm. Have you recorded that song? I have. <laughs> Not professionally yet. It's on YouTube. Um, I think that the video it's called like, this came to me in a dream or something. I, I was very passive about it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like make a big thing about it, but um, I was like, let me just, let me just put it out there in the world. Just, and, and, and I think maybe someday I will professionally record it because it was, that was a very special moment. It felt like a once in a lifetime thing that, that felt like it just came from somewhere else. And I just got to be a part of it briefly. So yeah, I found myself leaning forward in my chair in the short little uh, segment you gave us. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I want more of that. So something about your freedom song started to, I felt it, like you said. And so I'm anxious to jump on YouTube and check that out. There's this translation of a Bible verse in the message translation, and it talks about the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's what I thought about when I heard you humming that song. It's like, the, that's the unforced rhythms of freedom. You know, it just is. Oh, thank you for making that connection. That's what you I'm hear like. it and you feel it and you deeply resonates. So beautiful. Thank you. The other thing I was curious about when you were telling your story of sort of traveling in the car with your parents and sort of learning about slavery and the history of African-Americans in this country. And I was just curious if there was a story of oral, a history of oral storytelling in your family that, that your parents shared a lot of that history with you. And I feel like you also are such a storyteller. Mm. Have you made that connection in your work? Wow, that's a really interesting question. I haven't thought about that a lot. Yeah, I I have from my parents and my grandparents, I have very dis- specific stories that they've told me about themselves and things they've been through and, and also their family, the family. And um, you just reminded me of a song that I wrote years when I was 14. I I totally forgot about it. Uh, it was my grandfather describing his experiences being in Chattanooga after World War II ended. And I just I just wrote a song about it. And it doesn't necessarily have like a it doesn't have like a, a traditional st- structure to it. But that just makes me think I'm like, wow, that was really special for me because I don't I don't normally take I don't normally write songs in that way. I. I and I don't know if this answers that question specifically, but it does make me think about how, you know, especially amongst um, a lot of Black people in America, just their stories are not recorded as mm-hmm. much. I mean, even just birth certificates, <laughs> like don't even have those if you go a couple of generations back. So there's so much that's not recorded. Um, and yeah, I don't think I ever really put that connection together like you just said it about yeah, that really is a lot of oral storytelling passing down um, lots of songs. Like I feel like all the hymns I know, like that I can just sing without looking them up are ones I've heard my mom sing. And those are ones she heard her mom sing. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to sit with that. <laughs> yeah. The legacy of it. So beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're doing such a great job of carrying it forward. Thank you. So much of who you are, in your work 
overlaps and has a beautiful parallel to a process that Lindsay and I are proud to represent, you know, with the work that we do at OnSite and supporting and just holding space uh, for people and trying to, to, to be a, a guide in their story, uh, more or less a mirror, um, remind them of what they have within them, which is, um, you know, the, the divine permission to, to heal and to grow and to live in the truth of who they are. And so, so many, uh, you know, we just, as Lindsay said in the beginning of our conversation, we are fans of your work. Often you're able to either say uh, through words or art, translate what we do better than we can. <laughs> and I know that's probably not your intention, but it's just, I want to say thank you for uh, just being an inspiration to our team, a validation for our process, for the human spirit, and probably for all of our listeners. I mean, I could do this for three hours. If I know you're very busy, but uh, that's why I want to start to land the plane here and respect your time. There's a million different questions I'd like to ask, uh, but we'll maybe start to wind down with one that I would ask selfishly for me, but also on behalf of our listeners, uh, which, uh, you know, a lot of people would come on here because they're, they're in pursuit of trying to live into the best version of themselves, trying to anchor into the center and the core of who they are, um, you know, kind of claim that truth of who they're becoming. And, and there's others that just may be kind of curious, but don't even know they're interested in that and everything in between. But, um, is there something that has been practical um, and supportive uh, for you in claiming that part and living into that part that you might be willing to share with our listeners? Yeah. So one of my favorite poets, um, I'm going to kind of hop around. Let me narrow it down. because <laughs> I get really excited about this. One of my favorite poets, John O'Donohue wrote in his book about divine beauty, which I recommend to everyone. That book just redefined beauty for me in the best possible way. And he talked about keeping a book that you just throughout the year, you just write down beautiful things, like just different quotes that you find, words that are encouraging to you. And then at the end of the year, you just sit down like he's he's Irish. And I love the way that he tells like you just like, you know, sit down by the fire with your tea and and just read through the read through those words. And um, yeah, it's much better the way he described it. But <laughs> I held on to that and then I kind of adapted it to modern times. And I have a spreadsheet <laughs> where I <laughs> where if I like if I'm listening to a podcast, if I'm reading a book, I'm just like. I felt reflected in that. I felt seen in that. That made me nod my head yes, and I will write it down. I will put who said it, where I heard it, and I've been keeping it up for a while now, and and, um, I started doing that last year. So I'll share with you one of the quotes that I heard on the TED Talk last year, and it just, I was just undone for whatever reason it spoke to me, and it's by... um, by by English novelist from a long time ago, Ian Forster. Ian Forster, and I wasn't familiar with any of his work outside of this quote, but it just I hold on to it, and it's only connect. That was the whole of her sermon. Only connect the prose and the passion, and both will be exalted, and human love will be seen at its height. Live in fragments no longer. Only connect. So good. What I hold on to that live in fragments no longer. That that for me just 
like, yeah, that's what I need to hear often. (laughs) So powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Morgan, thank you so much for being with us today. I feel like I will go through the day with a bounce of my stuff and feel more seen and valued and connected because of our conversation. So thanks so much. Well, thank you. I, I feel the very same way. And I am so glad we got to share this time together. I really am. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate you. Appreciate your uh, friendship, your work, just who you are. And I don't have to say this. Most of you probably already know, but you'll want to consume uh, the wise words of our sage friend here, Morgan Harper Nichols. And you can get that through a variety of different things that she puts out in the world from books to podcasts to art. to um, She's one of the more positive places you can go in the social sphere. of. So uh, jump on and learn more. We'll attach some things that she's... Uh, put out there historically and what's coming you know on our show notes and thanks again friend thanks for being with us today thank you for having me thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you and if you found this conversation particularly impactful consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call one 800 341 7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.